Welcome to the Practical Magic Podcast, a weekly dive into ways in which we can live a calmer, more creative and empowered life on our own terms, full of vibrancy and entirely unapologetic. I'm Kate Taylor, Life Design and Empowerment Coach, and I'm on a mission to help you live a big, bold and beautiful life through my blended melting pot of goodness I call Practical Magic. Welcome, 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 lovely Practical Magic listeners. I've got a real treat for you today. I'm here with the gorgeous Joanna Forrest, who is the number one independent artist, chart-topping classical artist, soprano, breast cancer survivor and champion, and currently the voice of the 60th anniversary for Cruise Bereavement Care. She is an absolute gorgeous one. We are here at the lovely Gazelli House, and it's nice to have you here. Welcome to the show. I wondered if you could tell us a bit more about yourself, Joanna, in your own words, and how you've come to do what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, So my journey to where I am now probably started ever since I was singing around the house, um, singing on long car journeys. Um, Whenever there was, you know, quiet, there'd be me singing, which is probably really annoying for my family. But I always knew that I enjoyed it. I didn't know that I could sing until I auditioned for stage school when I was 11. And I really, really wanted to be an actress. And... I did my research and realised that a stage school would be the way forward. My family weren't quite as sure because it's just not in my family performing, singing, anything. So they were a bit surprised, but they made an agreement with me. If I got in, if I got through the audition, then I was allowed to go. And I did, I got through the audition. And it was at Italia Conti um, Stage School that we had um, proper singing lessons. It was the first time I'd ever had that. And I realised very quickly that it was something that I really loved, was a passion, and I just knew that I wanted it to be my career in in some way. Amazing. And so from that stage school, from learning that you had a voice and something that you can connect to, what's been your journey? Because you've had... um, you had a breast cancer diagnosis at the age of 21 so I should imagine that from when you were at stage school it was like right bright lights big city I'm going to go and you know be this big star and then that came along what kind of impact has that had both on where you were at the time and your viewpoint in terms of life in general since then so while I was at Italia Conti I had um, a lot of sort of success from the agency that's attached so um i was really lucky i was always you know one of the girls who was sort of chosen for stuff i did um you know like if if a producer came and wanted us to you know audition to be in a musical i was usually pretty lucky adverts um uh, tv series is um it was all going really well and that sort of gives you confidence that in a very very difficult industry when you're going to leave that um, that things will continue to go well and they did um, after after I left I got a West End play which was brilliant it was written by Michael Palin um, he, I love Michael Palin I so much 
I didn't know much about him at the time. I had this conversation with him that everyone goes, oh no, where I was telling him how I don't like traveling. And he was <laughs> no. literally, I know, and he's literally sat this with- This is Michael Palin. This is Michael Palin. <laughs> he was literally sat with me going, seeing new places is the most wonderful thing. And I was thinking, why is he so, why interested? so invested in this? Yes, why is this advice important? Now I know, now I know. But it was a brilliant opportunity and that was a big tour and West End and then, I um, was a soloist in this big show called The Best of Broadway that was like going around Europe. So things were going really, really, really well. And then without even um, looking for it, because no one had told me to look for it. I well, just, you were 21, right? I was 21, exactly. Yeah. And this was a long time ago when the messages, it's got so much better and so much more talked about. It's just, you know, just was not on my radar at all. And weren't you one of the youngest people to have ever been diagnosed yeah, with breast 20, cancer? 21 is is really, really young. Um, and when I was diagnosed with it, um, shortly when I finished that job in Europe, um, when I went to the GP, he said, don't worry because you're really young, it won't be anything, blah, blah, blah. And then it turned out that we went back and it was. Um, and... I feel like without things like social media, bringing up messages, you know, this was like before the internet, me and my mum. Can anybody remember a time before the internet? Exactly. We had to go to the library to get books out and have leaflets from charities for information or ask questions. I mean, nowadays there's a a whole world of information, isn't there, that, Mm. that you can you know readily get um but I just couldn't believe it it was so not in my life plan (laughs) no and sometimes you sort of get like I don't know like you know there's certain things that you hope for or wish for or worry about or like in your sort of sixth sense or something there's no this was just like no this was definitely like what this was not meant to happen no no and I think it definitely the first thing it did was knock my confidence hugely because I didn't know if there were any other girls my age who were going through it. All the literature, they've changed this now, they're more sort of on it, they're more inclusive, but was for like older ladies looking like in their 60s. I was like, how is this anything to do with me? You must have felt like quite quite not you know not felt in any sense like it it wasn't relevant for you you must have felt really you know one getting it in the first place and Mm. feeling quite isolated that you were that young and getting it how did you find that going through that process what kind of support was there for you I was a bit weird about support because um I was told at the time to not really talk about it by you know like agents and things because people would then think that you um, wouldn't be a safe bet to employ. Wow. Yes, keep it under your hat. One of the agents likened it to a guy that she'd had who was like her bread and butter, who old guy who'd had a heart attack and she was gutted because after his heart attack nobody wanted to employ him. So she thought it was a similar thing. So then I felt it was this oh terrible big bad secret never to be talked about hide away until it all and that doesn't do any good for your recovery no it doesn't doesn't do any good for recovery um and i felt like it was also something that it was quite difficult to relate to even with well-meaning friends because their life was opening up to all these amazing opportunities Mm. um you know and i felt a bit left behind a bit like I had my moment, I was quite lucky at school, I had these nice things and then I left and I had a few nice things, perhaps that's it because 
now I'm not I've sort of lost it a bit now and I felt a bit like you have to be to audition you have to be in a really good frame of mind because you're walking into somewhere to be judged yeah and so your frame of mind has to be more like I'm happy with what I'm doing if you don't like it then I'm sorry but I've done my best today yeah maybe you'll like me another day that's what you have to think but my state of mind was don't want anyone to look at me I'm gonna be awful now and do you know what I mean so I just felt a lot of missed opportunities in life because I think when you are 21 you feel like all the opportunities are in life only matter when you're young you don't sort of realize that being older there are they might be different opportunities mm. but there are opportunities it's not like your life stops when you're 21 you sort of think they're well they're the important That's it, years it's gonna be over. yeah it's gonna be over now old people <laughs> whatever yeah yeah um I had one friend like my which is still my absolute best friend who totally got it and was always there who you know like a hundred and a million percent um and I didn't let many people in mm. because I didn't want to yeah I didn't it's really weird like in in a stage score you probably felt a little bit competitive I felt a bit like I'm well out of it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've lost the race. You feel a bit like, oh, I've lost now. I've lost I've lost the game. I've lost at life. It must feel like... the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it must feel like when you're in that environment, because, like you say, it's so competitive, that you have to be on it and on it and on it. And there's that con- preconception, isn't there, that if you're not in it all the time, then you're going to get cast aside. 100%. And then you've got the added you know the somebody saying to you this is a bad thing that you've got don't talk about it don't talk about it the shame almost which is just you must look back at that now with doing the work that you do with Copperfield and just go i am here to make a complete difference to that yeah Has, do you recognize that 100% and it was actually i had two friends much later diagnosed and um my beautiful friend Sarah who actually passed away she was my magical mermaid in Peter Pan when I was Wendy you know you just really click with someone Mm. even if you're different ages Mm -hmm. and randomly she lived with my friend from school Lee and so he knew all about my journey and so she phoned me going oh my god Lee said that you've been through it oh my god I've got to talk to you I've got to talk to you and I was like oh like actually maybe talking to her will help and she told me that it really did and she asked me loads of questions and we just like had this massive sort of like really sort of like honest chat about about it all and I felt like I'd really really helped and then I felt why did I think it was something like not to talk about mm-hmm. then with my other friend I was a bit more like oh my god I'm gonna offer to talk now and it really and it really you helped. found a voice I 100% found my voice. It took me a long, long time. I wish I'd found it sooner. Um, but I, I really, I, I really didn't. Say, like, I don't know, somebody like, you know, Kylie going through it. I just think it's amazing when someone who has such a high profile will speak about it. Or Angelina Jolie talking about her um, uh, preventative mastectomy and things. I just think... Uh, amazing you 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 don't feel like it's going to negatively impact mm. you at all um and people will think differently and i think all that time ago i think i just had some 
bad advice and I was a bit impressionable yeah. and it stayed with me and I was a bit too young to go no actually I well, think you, you're wrong you don't <laughs> Oh, what can you know at 21 if you've never, like you say, if you've never been through that, of course you've never been through that experience. There's not many people of your age do. You're in a completely different environment that doesn't really support the emotional side of things at the time. I know it's got a lot better now, but from a point of mental health or emotional support, the um, that world hasn't been generally very well known about it. And that's why people like yourself are so important in changing that. And it's getting better. But I mean, I resonate with my father when he got diagnosed with Parkinson's. I was 16 years old and he was um, a very proud man. And he was like, right, we're going to take this on. I'm going to join the Parkinson's Disease Society and la 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 la. And his doctor said, don't do that. Don't do that because you'll see the worst case scenario and you'll lead it will lead you into depression. So for, well, I, I came back to live with be around them when he was really not very well so that was much later on so they'd probably had about 20 no 15 years of ignoring it like it wasn't there mm. to the point uh, it's huge detriment both to, to both their health both my mum and my dad and you just think if somebody had said here's the support this is everything you need to know here you can talk to people how different things would be and that's why it's so good that you're doing the work that you're doing now so you recorded a charity single for um, Cruise Bereavement for their 60th anniversary, By My Side. How, what got you into working with them? Is it all related to what you've been talking about in breast cancer and, and the experiences that you've shared with people who unfortunately have died as a result of the disease? It was through my wonderful friend, Olga Thomas, who is a brilliantly talented composer and everything she composes um, goes to cruise bereavement care. It's something that she's so committed over a charity, so sort of close to her heart. And she's also the royal composer. So if anything happens at the royal household, then she will um, compose a song or a piece of music about it. Do you it. think she's doing one about Harry and Meghan at the moment? That would be amazing. It would be like a, like a, a soap, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, music what, through the dramas. Yes, it would, I feel like it would be a real sort of like uplifting piece, yeah. like, here we come, Frida. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that happen. Yes. I know who can sing it, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I'd previously worked with Olga on the song for um, that commemorated um, the Queen and Prince Philip being married for 70 years royal platinum love song and um, because the queen is still patron of cruise bereavement care so it seems like there are lots of other charities she was involved with that gradually she's passed down to other members of the family but this is one that she absolutely still holds dear mm -hmm. and really wants to wants to help and um and then olga has was asked to write this beautiful song to commemorate them doing 60 years. So they've been doing this amazing work for 60 years and they're so hugely important as a charity. I just feel really honored that if I can help in some small way by lending my voice, um, then I'm so happy to do that. And we knocked a certain Ed Sheeran off the top of the classical I chart. I read this. 
which was very exciting. We didn't think we'd do it. It went in at number two, and that was good enough. That was like, yes. And then it went up to number one. We're like, hooray. <laughs> he doesn't care. He won't mind. <laughs> He's too busy counting the millions. Exactly, exactly. Oh, amazing. I mean, and, and is it really interesting, isn't it? This finding voice, giving mm. voice, how everything's come to be. So mm. I want to talk a bit more about your work, because you're an independent artist, which is something that we don't often hear about. And, and somebody who's had such high critical acclaim in their career, which is amazing. So I'm just going to share with the listeners some of the things that you have done, because I think it's really difficult talking about some of our own stuff, so I'll do this for you. So um, you broke records for going straight to number one in the official classical album charts with your debut album, Stars Are Rising. Was that, when, did, when was that? 2017. 2017, so actually not even that long ago. Your second album, Rhythm of Life, released last year, it struck shot straight to the top of the classical charts we're going to talk a bit more about that in a minute you did your first public performance with britain got britain's got talents paul potts and you're working with him at the moment aren't you have you been recording with him again he's he's on my album he's on your album amazing special guest which is so exciting amazing and then by my side went into straight to number one and you were awarded last year in May with the first ever Future Classic Women. I mean, what a journey. That's incredible. How do you feel when when you look back over... Because, you know, 2017, like, it's only three years ago. That's been huge. I mean, it's obviously not been an easy journey to get there. Tell me more or tell us more about that journey as an independent artist and what some of the highlights, lowlights, challenges have been. So it all started really, I think sometimes somebody, you need somebody in life to give you a bit of a push and that was my husband James. And well, since after after I got better and... Um, How long was your journey to recovery? It wasn't actually, I think the whole thing was probably about it like a year but it was sort of enough to um that was treatment and all of you know and all of that I think they call it like active treatment don't they that type of thing um but I think mentally probably it took me a while to think "Mm, like I really want to get back on stage but how how do I even how do I do this and the dial must have changed a lot from where you were, the kind of things that you were doing in terms of what you, what your focus was in terms of a bigger life goal. Did that, did it really change that dial on it, your um, recovery? I knew that I wanted to get back to performing. I just didn't know how I was going to get there because I felt like I wasn't the same person mm-hmm. who was like look at me like hello do you know what I mean like yeah I felt I was more like oh, hi. <laughs> yeah and so I didn't know what to do really so I started to have singing lessons again that was like baby steps and then my first job that I went for I got which was really lucky and I think put me in a better frame of mind and that was Wendy and Peter Pan um with Shane Ritchie as Captain Hook amazing it was just a fun panto in a really nice theatre the Chris Pavilion at South End and I was so happy to be there I was like oh my god I'm back I'm doing it it was two shows a day and I was a bit tired but I didn't care because I was and I just knew this was the sort of path I wanted to take still but 
I always knew that I wanted to maybe, you know, you have just like a little ambition that's really quiet that you, sometimes you don't even listen to, but I knew it was there and it was saying, you should be singing on your own. Not this. Do you know what I call that? Mm. The soul voice. I do and I talk a lot about how the difference between the fear and the ego being that and the soul voice the one the creative muse whatever you want to call it she's there and she's whispering quietly and it's really expansive and there's more for you and you know that's it's like your inner muse almost oh and it was talking to me and it was saying you should be singing as your own you shouldn't be singing as a character as part of a group as part of a show part of an ensemble you should be singing as yourself and you need to just do it and get the confidence to do it but I'd always been a bit like mm. you know and I was getting jobs in shows and being part of shows um so you know you can sort of block that voice can't you really? oh very much most people do all the time yeah she doesn't go away no no she doesn't and it was my husband who said to me after he'd seen me in Bath be Wendy again in Peter Pan. It was a really nice show at the theatre role. It's just, but he was like, oh, um, you know, what is your ultimate dream, really? Um, and I was like, oh, I think, you know, sort of vocalised what the inner voice had been saying. And he was like, let's make it happen. And our first step to that, which was really important, included Copperfield because um, we put on a show at the Palace Theatre in the West End for Copperfield. And we invited loads of cool people to take part, like Paul Potts, and we sang a duet together. Um, Joe McKeldry sang. Um, we had um, Ridian, who'd like been on the X Factor. We had uh, Francis Raphael, who was the original Eponine. Um, a big West End star, Louise Dearman and Shane Ward sang a duet. Like Kingsley Road, who was huge at the time, who just I think done X Factor. Like we had all these like amazing people, and Mac Johnson was the host, and. Um, it was in conjunction with the Sun newspaper that my husband um, was working for at the time. And singing with Paul, with the orchestra, I was like, yes, yes. I was right to listen to Inner Voice. This is this is definitely Was that a start. real moment of, wow. It was a real moment. Wow. It was the wow moment. This is what I should be doing. This is definitely, without a shadow of, of a doubt, the path. Yes, and that's mm. when the universe is in full alignment of this is exactly what you are here to do, like you say, the path that you're on. Thank goodness, thank goodness. Well, one, it sounds like beautiful events conspired for all of that to happen. Thank goodness for James and asking you, yeah, like being able yeah. to, sometimes when somebody can see that within us as well and knowing that there's more, that's a really gorgeous thing, isn't there? And being able to ask that simple question, what, what do you visualise? And then you're going, I'm going to listen, I'm going to trust this voice, and I'm just going to share it, and look what unfolds. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, definitely. And then we were very lucky that um, after taking every opportunity to sing as myself, whether it was paid or not, just, you know, whether it was like a carol concert here, or this here, or that there, I was literally just putting myself out there as Joanna Forrest, the soprano rebranded this is this is what I was doing and then we luckily met the producer of my both of my albums Robert who was a genius and it was actually about uh, potentially working with him um, on some live shows but he just offered a piece of advice sort of quite casually which was you should really make an album basically something really brilliant like your calling card like you know maybe you can sell it at events and stuff you should really think about doing that and we were like 
hmm, maybe we should. And so we went back to Robert and said, is that something that you could help us with? And he agreed. And that's when the whole idea of the album was born, which was amazing. And just talking about, you know, doing it as an independent artist, we had to learn so much. We really did. Luckily, my husband was right there with me trying to learn stuff, looking things up, trying to work out what we needed to do how do you actually physically get an album out there so that people can buy it um so we had to learn about like marketing distribution artwork um all all kinds there was so much um making the album deciding what was going to be on the album listening to the orchestrations the orchestra record day all of that was the fun part the other part the other side of it i found quite difficult um because I've never worked in an office. I've never had a job where like, I've had to do that type of thing. So you know, people are like, oh, yeah, send it to me in like, a Word document. Well, I do actually know what that means. But, <laughs> but you know, I've never, um, I've never worked in that environment at all. So sometimes I'd be like to James, that person doesn't like me anymore. I'd be like, why? And I'd put, look, look, they put like best wishes. And I was like, um, he's like, just because they haven't gone like loads of love, kiss, kiss, it's like it's just different. It's like that's not cold. It's a business email. You have to sort of don't take things so personally. That must have been so different from the world that you're in. Oh, massively. In the theatre world, and yeah. Massively, like I was. A I mean, we just don't think about navigating that. That's really I, funny. I was like, the world of business is a little bit unfriendly. It's a bit cold. It's a bit cold. It's a bit removed. Sometimes I might say have a nice evening if you're lucky, but it's not. <laughs> I hope you're well. It's, it's all a bit like that, isn't yeah. it? Yes. So I had to learn how, also, I had to learn how to write emails quicker. <laughs> what were you crafting, these beautiful emails? I say to James, it's got to feel right. I've got to have the tone. It's got to feel right. <laughs> He's like, He's like, just get it sent. Just get it sent. It's like, you're crazy. And I'd be like, yes, but do you think it's a bit too much like this or too much like that? He's like, just send the email. People in the business world will just read it and they will take out the information. They won't be thinking about the tone. Just do it. And I think I also got better at, talking to people on the telephone I didn't want to talk to and what I mean by that is sometimes maybe I'd have to speak to somebody just say like in distribution and I wasn't entirely sure what I was asking them I just knew that I needed something sorted out but I hadn't really got in my head straight exactly how the conversation should go all of that type of thing I used to be like oh god maybe I'll just make a cup of tea oh I should just do this email yeah a lot of distraction and procrastination oh maybe I should try to tidy the kitchen (laughs) but now I've got better at just speaking to people like that and just realizing that everybody is different so if you do have somebody you have to work with a bit like and they're a bit sort of um abrupt that's just them they probably yeah. like it to everybody yeah don't, don't take it personally not everyone's gonna be like oh hi it's so lovely of course <laughs> i'm so glad you've made my day coming along and talking about <laughs> distribution so you must have gone through over the last three years the most incredible education in how the music industry works yeah. not just creating yeah. like you're not just a creator you've actually as a as a business person brought this out into the world with no prior knowledge I mean that is a huge feat yeah so what what um I've realized is is that there aren't any rules in the music industry which made it a lot easier you can make your own way I'm sure there's other industries where if you don't know 
exactly how things work, then they'll be like, no, you like, won't want anything to do with you or you've done it the wrong way. But the music industry is so, everyone's just seems to be having a go, making up their own rules. So from that point of view, um, it was quite easy to sort of make our own path and it still worked. Was it, did you have a really clear vision of what you wanted to achieve or were you just like, let's just see what happens? Um, originally it was just three tracks that we did in Prague with the um, City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra and just cash again just cash just they were just on Charles Bridge we thought we'd just drop in <laughs> which was like amazing but um, that would have made it not classical chart eligible so there's loads of rules oh, really? to get into the classical chart you can't just say I want to enter this in the classical chart. There's loads and loads of rules. Like it has to be with a full orchestra, it has to be a certain amount of time, it has to be um, 60% um, classical, 40% something that didn't start in the classical genre. So for us, that was David Bowie's Life on Mars, our Beatles track, and our Slade, classical version of the Slade track. Um, and even we had this one track which. Um, doesn't have very many vocals on it but it's from um, Disney's The Rescuers and it's just really lovely and they said that it wasn't classical chart eligible so we translated it into Italian resubmitted it and Stop. then it was allowed I know and it's the same is song. there an actual rule book somewhere yeah, it's I like think... let's have a look this no. is under rule subsection 2.5 I think they get a, I think they make it up as they go along but they're allowed to so it's a lot of bits based on what they actually like as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah Inter- so that's yeah. really fascinating as well because, again, it, navigating that as an independent yeah, artist. So, so when we did the three tracks, we realised it wasn't long enough. They didn't have EPs allowed, so we had to rethink. Did we want to make it classical chart eligible? Did we really think that it was going to chart? But we were so proud of the three that we did. We thought, well, perhaps it might chart somewhere maybe why don't we make it a full album and that will be lovely and let's just see what happens at this point to be number one wasn't our ultimate goal that we were gunning for we just thought it would be absolutely lovely to chart somewhere um you know and give us the opportunity to chart somewhere so let's make it eligible and see see what happens and it was just amazing how people get behind you and support you and we had a few lucky things like the mirror made it album of the week which would you know just little things along the way that can just really sort of help you along Um, and what do you think was the thing that sustained that journey was it a belief in the music was it just like let's see what happens what was the thing that really carried the momentum for you I think I knew that we'd made an album beyond like my wildest dreams of an album. Like um, from the things that we'd put on there, I just, I've always, because I I didn't train at a conservatoire. So for me to say I'm a soprano is a bit like, I did a musical theatre course, but I've always thought singing is singing. And if you want to sing the high notes, then why shouldn't I sing the high notes? And I also felt the album represented that with things like the David Bowie track, um, that classical music is for everybody. And wouldn't it be nice if something like that charted? And I also had a feeling that people do like classical music. So if you have something that appeals to everybody, I thought, "Mm, maybe this might be 
popular than an album of just Italian arias that are beautiful and amazing, but I wanted this to appeal to a wider audience. And I think that was my momentum, that I really believed in what I was trying to sort of show with the album. Yeah, and I want to get on to your new album, which is Rhythms of Life. And what I love about this is you were talking about making classical music more accessible for people. The backstory around this and part of what this is about is making it much more accessible for children and children to be able to relate to music and how that has a positive impact on their mental health. Give us a bit of a... Tell us about the the album and that. So you're going, you're doing some work with children in schools, is that right? So yes, talk yes. to me a bit more about this and the connection for music and mental health. So the idea behind it was um, my first thought to, where, where do we go from here? What do I do for the second album, the follow-up? Um, and I just knew that I really wanted to do something for children. You know the voice that we were, we were talking about? She's good, this she's voice. She's good, this voice. But she's also was saying to me something along the lines of like lullabies and, you know, music being so restful and calming. Um, because people, you know, they they can spend lots of money on like, you know, mindful things, whether it's an app or whatever. But sometimes... It could be just as easy as just listening to some classical music and just chilling out and that type of thing. And so I really wanted to create something for younger ears, but I wasn't 100% sure of the concept. And then we thought, why don't we make it to represent an hour, um, each hour, a day in the life of a child. So starting off at eight o'clock in the morning with like, an orchestral version of Take That's Greatest Day, going all the way through to um, to Claire de Lune at night and when you wish upon a star to be winding down and, you know, getting ready for bed and then everything that's sort of like in the middle to make it like a relatable concept for children. And I felt really passionately about this and then everything sort of fell into place. So my friend Andy Day, who's a CBBS presenter, um, he's really on board with you know music for children and all the sort of positive things it can bring and so we sing Let's Go Fly a Kite together on it which is lovely Paul again being the absolute star that he is sings an and- Andrea Pacelli song with me because we believe and I felt that Paul was the perfect person to sing that with because um, you know his story from you know car phone warehouse salesman to huge world-class opera star you know that's because he believed in himself enough to enter the britain's got talent competition so i i feel like he was perfect for that song and each of the songs has a doodle that has been created by gary andrews who is an animator who creates every day he does a doodle a day and he does that to show um, or to document his life since his wife died and what it's like being a widower with two young children and he's such an incredible artist he is amazing so for him to have to have created such special artwork that sort of will appeal to children it's like the whole package you know i wanted them to look at the picture and see where their imagination would take them and listen to the song like together and when I do my workshops in the schools, one of the things that I say to the children for the very last song that I do with them, which is Hush Up Mountain, and I always say, you know, just shut your eyes and just imagine. Just listen to this music and see where 
it takes you and then I ask them afterwards sometimes it's like random like what they've been thinking about but they've used their imagination and it's taken them somewhere like a really good book you know mm. it just and I think that's so important and it's so it's especially now in the days where those kids have got so much distraction Mm-hmm. So much distraction, so much overwhelm in terms of the information that's going in. And music is something that can, like you say, it's connecting them to their creativity. It's connecting them to another sense, isn't it? I remember, actually interesting, we're having this conversation because as mm-hmm. you're saying this, I remember when I was at primary school and our head teacher would put on classical music. Mm-hmm. And the um, the image that I get in my mind was of this incredible big painting that she had and it was a jungle scene and I remember now listening to the music and going on a journey through that picture Mm. and it's just amazing how music can take you to those places can't it music can take you back to a place in time to a memory and I really hope that this album like you know that the whole family can listen to it and it will create memories that's sort of what I imagined for it that is lovely. So it's like a well-being package all there. Creativity Absolutely. and well-being. Because it makes me really sad that music isn't on the curriculum for every school. I went to a school um, around about the time the album was coming out and I did a workshop there and it wasn't on the curriculum because if it hasn't got the funding and there's no teacher that's particularly musical, then it can't happen. And the head teacher, who was amazing, she was such an amazing lady, she was saying that, you know, they sing happy birthday to people in assembly because that's not, um, that doesn't take any money. It's just completely free, just using the voice. But none of them are particularly musical minded they don't sort of really know what they're doing and I just think that's such a shame because because she said you know I suppose they're thinking you know how many people would make it like a career that's not the point that's not that's not what education really is about being able to and I think you know I don't want to get into too much of a political conversation about it but it's easier to control people who don't think expansively creatively so it has been unfortunately taken off the arts have been very much um yeah sidelined in our current government wow i never thought of it from that sort of terms i just thought they thought it was you know maybe uh, unfortunately a bit of a waste of time well, and i thought that, that was viewpoint i as thought well, that was there? you know really sad especially as it seems like art is still um a lot on the curriculum because what's the difference between you know splashing about with paints having a beautiful creative time then to everybody singing together or, or, or creating music it's still firing the imagination and being creative and there's the release of emotion mm. that you can do with music isn't there yes. you must have that must have been such a cathartic thing for you as you've been through your journey is being able to release that tension out of the body through your voice through the vibration of sound yes and imagine how some children might really need that Mm -hmm. and it could really benefit them there's there is a whole world of um benefits to children enjoying music and i just i really hope that it, it changes one day and it sort of has to be on on a curriculum and it has to be part of school life and if there's not there's people like yourself who are making that a dream making that possibility happen and that's so important I think it's important it's been such a huge part of my life music's always been my friend I feel so sort of 
privileged really that I went to a stage school. I say that to my husband and he says, well, not, that's not what everybody would have wanted to do. And I, I, I agree, because sometimes I go, oh, I'm so lucky, I like didn't even go to school really, I just had like a good time. But, but for me, I feel like I was lucky because it is what I wanted to do and it was what I wanted to, to study and it was where I wanted to be. And I think what a shame if there's, you know, some really talented, t gifted children out there who don't get a, a chance to show it, or not even not even that you know that they they're particularly capable, but it's something that they love and that they that they want they want to do. I just think that's a shame. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Well, we, your story is so inspirational. The person who you are, who. There's just something so special about you, oh, that's so nice. and I'm just I'm really glad that you came onto the show to share your story and and how things have unfolded. For people who are listening into the show, who are listening into this, and they may have a dream and they may have that voice that's there going, yes, yeah. but we could do this. What what advice? What what tips would you share for people? I would say you you have to go for your dreams. You absolutely have to, and that sometimes you might think there's some barriers and there aren't but you think they are but they're not when you look into it you can still achieve it even if say you know I didn't have a record contract I didn't have management <laughs> we were crazy really <laughs> but we still thought that we would give it a go and we would put an album out there and now we've done two um, so don't let anything think that, oh, I can't do that because I haven't got this in place or I haven't got this in place. You might not need to have that in place. So I would say absolutely 100% have a go and listen to that little voice that's talking to you because usually, like you said, it's talking sense, isn't yes. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wants, I always say, when you're listening to the words that it's speaking, are they expansive mm -hmm. or are they contractive? Do they want more for you? Mm -hmm. Or if they are trying to keep you small, like that's the thing that you get guided by. What is the thing that wants more for you? Yes, because also sometimes I have, you know, maybe that voice was saying, um, you didn't train at a conservatoire are you really a soprano um are you good old imposter syndrome are, oh my gosh imposter syndrome who do you think you are i feel like that's slightly going the imposter syndrome the more i do and the more things that i achieve makes me think you know if i'm standing there on stage that yes i i deserve to be here because i've you know i've worked hard to be here and you know, I really want to entertain you now, and so I really hope that, that you enjoy it rather than always you're watching me. Well, I love that because that comes from I'm here to entertain, and you're here to be connected with the people who are, and that's the magic of creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing that we can't necessarily logically think, oh, I am going to enjoy this because it's felt sense isn't it it's like you when you're listening and you get the you know the hair stand up on your arms or you and there's a very very divine I call it a divine moment and you're here to have that connection with people the inner critic the imposter can do one in that situation because it's so much more than that isn't it yes yes the inner critic you absolutely have to just 100% just silence and step out on there and just be like, you can pipe down and critic. <laughs> you can just stay there for a little while. I can pick you up again in a minute, but for now I'm entertaining these people. Yeah, I think sometimes inner critic can be helpful 
if it's saying have you really gone over have you prepared enough are you rehearsed enough you know but then you don't want that to turn into you're going to forget your words do you know what I mean it's a mm, fine line it's isn't a fine it line. Yeah. it's amazing how as human beings we're literally capable of having this thing that can actually taunt and bully us it's like how is that positive for survival yeah well it's negative bias which is the reason that we've managed to get here for as long as we have because otherwise we'd have been eaten by saber-toothed tigers very very quickly is it the thing that goes run yes exactly that but we do that from very strange things these days you know here's all my hopes and dreams well you can't do that it's okay you can but yeah you your you know your words of inspiration and everything that you shared with us today has been incredible so thank you so much and um, enjoy listeners listening to some of joanna's lovely lovely sounds You can find out more about Joanna on my website, katetaylor.co forward slash podcasts with links to her albums and her website, Insta, all that stuff. Go and take a look on the show notes there. And I will be back next week with a little bit more from me. And don't forget, now is the time to start thinking forward to a summer of love and the awakening. The lineup, gorgeous ones. It's just divine. I literally am so excited about it. So if you would like a weekend of coming into connection of movement as medicine, of well-being workshops and joining with an incredible community of like-minded souls on the gorgeous Isle of Wight, then do head over and find out more about that. www.awakeningfestival.co.uk And I will speak to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Magic Podcast this week with me, Kate Taylor. If you do enjoy the shows, do head on over to iTunes and hit that subscribe button. That means that every time there's fresh Practical Magic content, it will get delivered straight to your devices. You do not need to do a thing. And if you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other previous episodes, do head over to iTunes, hit the old star ratings and maybe leave a little comment as well. It really helps to connect to other listeners out there who are in for a big, bold, beautiful life.